as a reporter, I've had the opportunity to cover a lot of different types of stories. I've had a vast array of conversations with all sorts of people. I've covered sporting events, political rallies, natural disasters, and environmental catastrophes, parties, celebrations. I mean, you name it, I've been to a lot of different things. Now, I'm not going to say, though, that I've spoken to every kind of person or covered every sort of event. I mean, there's still a lot of things that I haven't done yet in my career. Like, for example, cover the space industry. I've never been to the Kennedy Space Center. I've never watched a rocket launch. Now, I've lived many miles away and I've seen a rocket in the sky, but never up close. So that's why I had to talk with Brendan Byrne from WMFE Public Media in Orlando. He has this really incredible story from his childhood. And from that moment, how it came full circle to this point where he's now covering the space industry, and he's the host of one of the biggest space industry podcasts that's out there. There are all sorts of beats in journalism, from the political beat to the police and crime beat to the environmental beat. There are arts, sports, economy, and real estate beats. But what about this one, the space beat? That just sounds cool. First of all, there are very few news organizations that have such a beat since really there are only a couple of places where rockets are made, launched, or even land. One reporter who can talk about what it's like to cover the space industry is Brendan Byrne from the public radio station in Orlando, WMFE. We talked with him about the inspiration for his podcast, Are We There Yet?, the dream of going into outer space, and a special story that goes back to a dream that his father once had that has led Brendan on the path that he's on. When did you start reporting on NASA and the space industry? Uh, I think it was 2014, and there was a particular NASA mission happening in 2014. And that's when I started covering space. And and to kind of bring into perspective, the space shuttle program ended in 2011. And we really didn't talk about space for a very long time. And in 2014, there was a mission that happened and uh, I started covering it. And after that, that was kind of around the same time SpaceX was was getting uh, getting big here in Central Florida. Other other private space companies happened, but um, yeah, there was there wasn't much happening back then. But there's a lot happening <laughs> right now. So in, in the ten years or or the eight years since then, uh, it's been a very very busy time for space exploration. I think that's so interesting that we've had a space program for so long, but for a long time. Nobody was talking about it. You know, that that's so weird. I mean, you're you're in Orlando at WMFE, but how often do you go out to Cape Canaveral? I'm there for every human space launch, which uh, we assumed wasn't going to be very often, uh, but is it is very often now. So it's about every six months I go out there to report on humans leaving this planet. Um, and then I'm also there for for major space science missions so probably every three or four months i go out there to watch to watch a a, a rocket leave this planet and, t- and take a payload or or, uh, or humans off this earth 
So what's happening with NASA right now? I mean, you know, since the space shuttle uh, missions ended and, and so much of what we keep hearing is about billionaires and their rockets and, you know, and all that. I mean, it, some people actually, I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this, probably think that NASA's gone and we don't have a space program. Mm -hmm. So NASA still has the International Space Station, right? I mean, we've, we've got this international collaboration where humans have been on orbit for the past uh, 22 years. I mean, the International Space Station came online in, in, in 2000. Um, but what we're seeing from Florida is every six months, these private companies are launching these crews of NASA astronauts up to the space station. And so we're seeing starting back in 2019, 2020, we saw the first crew of two people. And then we started seeing crews of, of four people go up there. Um, we're seeing them go up there and then every six months return back to earth. Uh, and that's just the, the, uh, the government agencies, right? That's, that's NASA sending humans up there. We've also seen some private citizens go up there. We saw over the summer last year, we saw, the Inspiration Four mission. There was four private citizens that 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 bought tickets to go to space, uh, went up there for for three days, and then came back. And then next month, we're going to see another crew of four people uh, go up to space in SpaceX's Crew Dragon capsule, docked to the International Space Station for a few days, and then come back. So we're seeing so many human beings leave this Earth than we've ever seen before in the past 10 years. Um, and it's all because of these commercial space companies. What does that say, though? I mean, it, and I'm not, there's no judgment, good or bad. I'm not saying like, the, oh, this is good or a bad thing that, you know, it's, we now have commercial companies doing this kind of thing, but that, you know, we have other people who are trying to get into space, whether for tourism or for science or something else maybe they're like I said, trying to get to mars um but it's not nasa that's at the forefront of all this or maybe they are and we're not talking about them enough i don't know i mean what do they think about all this what do they what do they think about bezos and musk and and branson you know getting into the game like this the groundwork was definitely laid by nasa to to provide this opportunity for commercial space companies to even exist. If, I mean, I'm not sure how much time we have here, Louise, but if, if we talk about, if it wasn't for commercial space, SpaceX wouldn't be here, right? I mean, they, they got saved in the final hour because of a contract with NASA to send commercial cargo up there. Uh, but since then, uh, they've been able to do all these great things. But there are other commercial space companies, as you mentioned. There are Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic, all this stuff. I think what has happened with the commercial space industry is it's made this opportunity for other people to get into space. It, it's made access to space much easier uh, and much cheaper. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing for everybody. What's this latest story that there's there's going to be an unmanned mission to the moon, but they're sending an Alexa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? So Alexa's going to the moon. Um, but I mean, the, the whole point of that Alexa going to the moon is, is knowing that there are going to be people coming right afterwards. So this is, this is a completely different mission that you're talking about here. So, so we, we've been talking about these, these commercial space 
uh, uh, missions. This Alexa mission is going on. Uh, it, it's going on the next NASA mission to the moon, which is which is Artemis One, and that's launching in the next few months here. Um, and it'll be an uncrewed mission. Nobody's going to be in the capsule. It's going to go around the moon and then come back. And then the next mission, Artemis 2, will be people will be in the capsule and they go around the moon and then come back. And then Artemis 3 will be people are in the capsule. They'll stop at a, a space station around the moon and then they'll go down to the moon surface and plant their flag and do all that thing. But to answer your question, in Artemis 1, they put an Alexa inside the capsule and they want to see that if 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 astronauts are flying in this capsule if they can talk to this computer and how will that help them stay connected back here on earth and how will that help them feel more connected to earth when they're 250,000 miles away from this planet so it's very interesting uh, to see Alexa and all this stuff heading to the moon. I want to pull a practical joke and ask the Alexa to order a pizza and see if uh, <laughs> the pizza guy goes, I'm sorry, where's your address? So the, like the, like the, like the, the things that they've, it, it's an Alexa, it's a locally distributed Alexa. So you can't say like, Hey Alexa, send me whatever, but you can say, Hey Alexa, turn on the capsule lights and the lights will turn on. Or you can say, hey, Alexa, how long until we have to do this, you know, uh, uh, this burn to get us into orbit? And she'll say, oh, it'll be 294 seconds. Uh, so it, they, they've definitely catered it towards this particular mission. You, you can't order a, a pizza at the moon just yet. Just yet, Luis. Not yet. I know. Uh, you know, it's I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. You think about it and, and you could appreciate this, too, is like. Where did we see this before? Oh, yeah. There was a movie where guys were talking to a computer. Hal, do this for me. Hal, do that for me. I have been told. <laughs> I've been told. I talked to the folks that have that have programmed this particular Alexa. And I said, have you all seen that? And they said, oh, they, Alexa will not be able to open the pod bay doors. We promise you that. We promise you that. So at least they're thinking about that. They're thinking about that. Alexa can't be programmed to, you know, <laughs> mess up the mission and 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 hurt anybody. Exactly, exactly. I, I got to exactly. ask you about. I, lo I love your podcast, and uh, I got to ask you how it's going. Um, anybody who doesn't know, you have a, a space podcast called "Are We There Yet?" Uh, the Space Exploration Podcast. When you pitch that, I mean, it seems like such a no-brainer. Like, yeah, let's do this. Was it a hard sell? I. I pitched that podcast six years ago and it was right when we were talking about how, how there weren't many, you know, space missions happening here. And I had, I had pitched a lot of space stories to my news editor at the time. And she said, we don't have any room in the newscast for these. Why don't you just start your own podcast about all these space stories? And, uh, and that's how it started. And uh, I'm, I'm glad she said that. <laughs> <laughs> it has, I mean, in a very short period of time, by the way, anybody who hasn't noticed, I mean, you had a lot of success. You've had, you've been, that thing is just it, like a rocket. Let's use the metaphor. It's like a rocket. That thing took off and it's been doing really well. I mean, congratulations, first of all. Um, what have you learned from the audiences about the thirst for this, you know, kind of storytelling? I've learned that everybody is super excited about this, right? I mean, this is something that I thought that was just, you know, 
it was just something that I was interested in. And, and, and so, you know, my news director was like, well, yeah, nobody's really interested in this stuff. So just go and pitch a podcast. And if there are people who are going to listen to your podcast, they'll listen to your podcast. We launched the podcast. It was in Apple's, you know, top 10, the first week we sent it out there. I think everybody is super connected to what's happening in space, right? Because we're, we're, we're all really interested in our place in this world. Like we're interested in where we, where we are, where we're going, where we've been. And I think all of those questions can be answered through space exploration. And especially in Florida, there's so much happening in our own backyards. Um, all of these things are happening right here. Like, why wouldn't you be excited about what's happening in, in your own backyard? And I, I think that Floridians just have it in our DNA that we are explorers, especially space explorers, you know, watching for the old folks like you and me, Louise, like we are, you know, we're, we're products of the space shuttle generation. We, we watched those growing up. Like I saw them in, in, in you know, school. I would go and, and, and watch them then launch. You know, that's in our DNA. And the fact that things are happening just as frequently as the space shuttles were back from when we were kids in the, in the 1990s is awesome. And it's so cool to see that every single week something else is launching, you know, from a backyard. I'm sitting here in my home office in Orlando, out of my window. My window faces east. I can sit here and watch rockets launch when, I, when I'm reporting on other things here. And that is, that is not something that is, is, is different for a lot of people here. A lot of us have these eastward windows that we can see what's happening in our own backyard and see these things launch. It's so cool. We're so lucky. You know, I wondered for you, because again, you're, you work at the public radio station in Orlando. So, I mean, you're reporting on a lot of different things. How has reporting on the space industry uh, helped you as a journalist? That's a really good question. And I think when I first picked up this beat, my whole, my whole thing was, I'm going to, I'm going to report on what's happening. These are the things that are happening. But I learned that there is a human connection to every space mission. And so you learn about the people and you learn about how just connected they are to each particular mission. And I met so many cool people just by looking at stories that way. But also every mission has some sort of economic connection to what's happening. And so we quickly learned that every space mission has some sort of human connection. No matter how impressive it is, there is some sort of connection to the central Floridian that we need to talk about. And, and I love the fact that that's what we've been doing at WMFE is, is looking at how all these missions affect the people that live and work in Central Florida or on the Space Coast. It's, it's impressive. We're talking with Brendan Byrne, reporter at WMFE Public Media in Orlando. He's also the creator and host of the podcast, Are We There Yet? 
You're listening to The Reporter Studio. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and Podbean. You can also watch a video of these interviews on YouTube at The Reporter Studio. And I want to ask that if you're listening on any of these platforms, that you please subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, and if you want to learn more about Brendan and his work or any of the journalists that I talk to for the podcast, just go to thereportersstudio.com. Now let's get back to our conversation with Brendan Byrne, host of the podcast, Are We There Yet? You know, you because you know what's going on and, and, and you know, what NASA's working on and what all these other companies are working on, um, you know, what do you, what's going to happen here in the next 10, 20 years? More space stations? Are we really going to Mars? Or is that just a pipe dream? You know, we're going, you said we're going back to the moon. I mean, are we going back because we're going to do something more permanent there? What, what are people talking about? What's going, what's going to happen? I honestly think in the next 10 years, you are going to be interviewing me on Mars. Okay. You, you're, you, first of all, I had a great question and you almost blew it for me, but no, no, this is awesome. No, no, go ahead. Tell me, tell me. I, I think, I think that we are going to get to a point where regular people like journalists like you and I are going to get to go to space. Maybe we won't be on Mars, but I feel like either you and I will both be on the moon or I'm going to get a chance to go to space or you're going to get a chance to go to space and we're going to be able to interview each other from there. Now, first of all, you're the, you're the space reporter You've earned that right. You're going before anybody else. I know. I think you're going. Yeah. I think you're going first. I, I think you're no, going. No, 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 no. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that, and and I think you should be the guy that, to do it. I did. I saw this though, and I I was thinking. I don't know how we're gonna interview each other. Uh, I you know I I love watching you know a lot of science programs on on YouTube. They put a lot of great stuff up there. Some of it's not good, but some of it's really interesting. There was one I was watching, and I thought this was really interesting. How long it takes for a message to get from earth to Mars. Yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. And so I was just thinking, wait a minute, what kind of interview do you think we're going to be having? <laughs> I'm just going to ask a question. It'll be an email interview. Yeah, it'll be an email. Okay. Interview. <laughs> it's me asking a question and then just kind of waiting. Go ahead. <laughs> Answer the question. Or you just have to be there with me and then we'll just, we'll just do it on the surface of Mars and then send it back. Really? But you think in 10 years that we're going to have somebody out there, a human being will be going towards Mars. I, so 10 years, I don't think Mars. I, I will say 10 years, someone will be on the moon or or someone will be in low Earth orbit. Um, I, I think that there's there's plenty of opportunities for someone to go to low Earth orbit. I, I, in next month, SpaceX is sending a private mission again into space, but this time they'll dock to the International Space Station and come back. And this will be SpaceX's second private civilian mission in the past two years. Um, so it's not wild to think that one of us will be sent up to space in the next five years or 10 years. Maybe the moon in 10, maybe Mars in 20. Um, but I think there's going to be a time where you will be interviewing one of your public radio colleagues and they're not going to be on this planet. That is really interesting. Um, I would take the trip just to get the miles, okay? Just, 
Because I just to get the I, I would collect a lot of miles on one trip. So would no. you though? Would you? Would you think Visa would give you those miles? Do you think Mastercard would give you those miles? Yeah. Why not? Come on. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about this because, you, you, like I said, I wanted to ask you this question. And and to be honest, I mean, let's say there was a group of people going to Mars, and maybe fifty people. And they said, you know what, Brendan, we want you to come. You're going to be the journalist. You're going to be covering it for the planet, for planet Earth. You're going to keep all of us back here informed as to what's going on with this colony. But, you know, it takes, what, nine months to get there? Is that the, the fastest? At least. At so least. Yeah. Going least. there, getting back. Let's say they keep you there for a couple of years. So basically, you're going to spend four years away from planet Earth. Would you do it? That's a hard question to answer. See, I'd go to the moon because um, it's not a long trip. I would, I would, I, I always tell this story when, when I first picked up this beat, um, my wife, who is my biggest supporter. And you could take her with um, you, by the way, if you want to. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just asking. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she would. Go, but my wife, who is the biggest supporter said, you can, you can, you can report on this. But please don't ever go to space. And that was years ago. And that was years ago when things were a lot more difficult and, and, and all that. Um, I don't know if she would let me go to Mars. <laughs> I don't think that I would. I don't think that I would want to uh, have that conversation with her and say, hey, I'm going to leave you for four years to go to Mars. But I think it'd be an incredible opportunity for some sort of journalist um, especially one that has a podcast like this uh, and he would go to Mars. And if that particular person went to Mars, I would hope he would give me an exclusive interview uh, for my podcast. I don't um, know if I would do this <laughs> four years. I mean, look, I mean, I, exactly. Like, so, so what, 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 like I know you realize why I wouldn't go. Why wouldn't you go? Um, look, look, there is a part of me that thinks that that would be, look, I'd love to go into space. I'd love to take that trip. Um, would you do the orbital the to orbital Mars? Trip? The orbital three trip? days in orbit and to, then come back home to what? No, just to the just, moon. just an orbit around Earth. Oh, orbital! Yeah. Orbital? Oh, yeah, How no, about the absolutely, and then, absolutely. And, and I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to because I know that I'd be back soon. I think that Mars is fascinating, but I think that it's that it's scary. It's kind of scary. Plus, you don't know if you're coming back. Something could happen. But you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's um, it's one of those. It's funny when you said that you're talking about, you know, your wife telling you that. And the first thought that came to mind, remember 2010, mm -hmm. the movie and Roy Scheider's, you know, he's telling his wife, he's like, I'm, I'm going, I'm yeah. going to Jupiter. And she's, she drops the plate, the dinner plate. She's, she can't because she knows he's yeah. gone for a long time. And I think that's, I think that would be a tricky thing. That's I'm not hard. Sure, it's hard. It, it's like, like the whole uh, thing about space exploration is it's not a quick trip. Right, anything you do, whether it's a robot or 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 person, we're talking about years. Like I don't think humans are ready for that. We're not, we're not ready to say goodbye to somebody for. Louise, you said you said four years to Mars. That's if you go to Mars, drop off, and then immediately come back. Like we're talking about something eight, nine, ten, twelve years. You're going to that planet, and while you're there, you're not on the surface of the planet you're, you're stuck in your spacecraft or stuck underground because it's not habitable to people 
it's it's not going to be an enjoyable few years. I don't know if anybody would want to do that. Yeah, no, no. And I've been so fascinated with the Mars rovers and everything they've collected and seen. And, and I think that, you know, take aside what you see in the movies. I mean, you know, like that Matt Damon movie, but you, you look at what the rovers are capturing and it's beautiful. But at the same time, you're looking at that like, uh, hmm, I don't know. That's uh, I. That world wants yeah, to kill me. No, <laughs> everything about that surface wants to mm, kill me. I'm not sure. I yeah. mean, a space station possibly, yeah. but even then, because you'd have to get used to, you know, life in space, and 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 I know that that takes a toll on on people. Um, when did you fall in love with, you know, space? The idea of space. I mean, was it going back? Because as you said, we grew up watching space shuttles. But I don't know. Like, you know, is that something that started early, or is that later in life? Yeah, it, it, it started early for me. I, I went, I've told this story before. Um, I mean, in fifth grade, uh, my class went on a field trip to space camp. I, I grew up in Broward County down there with you. Um, and um, I didn't want to go. My dad wanted to go and he needed to get his kid to go. So he'd be a chaperone. And we went to, to space camp in fifth grade that was 1997 um and uh, it was awesome it was it was such a great trip and i learned so much about space because of that i learned so much about my dad's uh passion about it and i, I wish i could learn more the next year he, he died and um so I, I always kept that that with me that you know he took me to space camp and and that was that was what he wanted me to do right um I didn't have a chance to, to talk to him more about that. Um, and we watched spatial discovery launch together. And it was a, a moment that I'll always keep with me. And um, that that's always been something that was very close. Like that was, that was something that I had. And in middle school, I was, I was going to be an astronaut. Got to algebra, realized that wasn't going to be my thing. Um, and I, uh, and so I, I ended up, you know, taking another path. Eventually, as an adult, I, I, I was able to find a way to write about the stuff and, and, and talk about the stuff. Um, and I think really the, the coolest thing that ever happened was the last space shuttle, or I'm sorry, the last, last human mission that launched. It was a SpaceX Crew Dragon mission that launched. Uh, it was on the anniversary of my father's death. And, and I realized that that had to say something, you know, that, that he was looking down and, and saying, you know, I'm covering this and watching this mission happen in real time. And he was the one that planted that seed. And so that, that's really what connected me to these things. And uh, I always think about, you know, what would he think about what's happening right now? Um, and I, I think that he would be completely blown away uh, by the fact that not only are there rocket launches happening pretty much every week here, but there are humans leaving this planet every six months, uh, which was something that he, that he wanted to make sure that I saw uh, and took me up to Kennedy Space Center to see. And uh, I think he would be completely impressed by what's happening. And so, so, so my job is, is I always think about that. Every, every story I write, I always think about, 
you know, what will my dad think about this? And, you know, what would he say about this? And, and he'd definitely be impressed and super excited about everything. And I, and I hope he's he's proud of, of, of the stories I'm telling. Oh, de- it definitely has to be. Again, you're listening to The Reporter Studio, and we're talking with WMFE space reporter Brendan Byrne. He covers the space industry and is the host of the space podcast, Are We There Yet? You can find a link on our website, thereporterstudio.com. Also, watch a video of this conversation on YouTube at The Reporter's Studio. Now, this podcast is a production of City of Dreams Media Incorporated, and I want to tell you about a new podcast coming out in June called Planet Earth 2072. Further into the future, things are going to become more and uncertain. The are here are going to be concentrated on the high ground. And that's going to result dense. in a significant sea level rise. Maybe Tackle this issue and address it in a meaningful way. We're seeing events that we can't predict. Your friends we can project things. And then that's five, six, seven people. And the chain goes that. On is more privileged and that is not dealing with climate effects on a regular basis. Anybody to be suspicious of people who claim to know what Miami will look like in 10 or 20 years, let alone 50 years. No one can guess what exactly will happen in 50 years, except that South Florida will likely not look much like it does today. The oceans will have risen, flooding will be a bigger challenge, and things are likely to be hotter. Planet Earth 2072, the podcast, we ask the question, what will Miami look like in 50 years? What will happen and how will we prepare? We spoke with researchers, politicians, and advocates about their fears for the future. You know, it's gonna be harder to anticipate what is gonna happen from day to day. And the people who are here are gonna be concentrated on the high ground in very dense urban landscapes. And that's gonna result in a significant sea level rise, maybe adding 20% to those numbers I just gave you. We also spoke with members of Gen Z. We can project them, but we really don't know what this climate catastrophe is gonna look like. No matter what, that's not in your control. And I think that you know, for acknowledging the problem now, we can definitely stop it from becoming much worse. We want to better our society, naturally. I think everyone does. The question of the future, what can we expect? Planet Earth 2072, the podcast, comes out June 2022. Planet Earth 2072 is out later in June. You can learn more at the website, planetearth2072.com, or find us on Facebook. Let's get back to our conversation with Brendan Byrne from WMFE Public Media in Orlando. You know, I think about what you said a second ago and where we're going to be in 10, 20 years. And so I wonder where space reporting is going to be, you know, because you think about 
like right now, really one of the big things is, is environmental reporting, and that's becoming, and, and rightfully so. But if, if the space industry is going to continue to grow and we're going to expand more into space, again, uh, not just as countries, but even, like I said, if, if these guys are really going to do this with tourists and get tourists up into space, it's going to become a regular thing. Um, where do you see the space reporting going from here? That's a really good question. And it's something that we talk about a lot. Like the, the great thing about the space reporting beat is that we're all really friendly with each other. <laughs> you know, all of us, all of the space reporters, like we, we help each other out. We make sure that, you know, we're not getting screwed by these, you know, particular you know, companies or whatever, but, but we have those conversations and it's like, are we going to, you know, get sick and tired of, reporting on oh we got another human mission launching next week and the consensus is no we're not like this is like we are we are in a position where everybody is excited about what happens on our beat there is there is something cool happening every single day on our beat and but we also realize that we need to hold these companies accountable and, and make sure that not only are we giving equal access to space, but making sure that we're not harming the planet that we're trying to leave. And so I think on one hand, we have this enormous amount of people that are watching what we're doing and excited about the things that we report on. But on the other hand, we have this incredible responsibility to make sure that all of these actors are working in good faith and making sure that they're not taking advantage of the people that they work with and the planet that they live on and we recognize that we we understand that responsibility that we have um, and we will hopefully make sure we hold those in power accountable uh, for those actions well, like I said, you never know. You, you you may be the guy who goes up into space. If you don't, you know what? We got to get you into a space movie. So the next time they make a space movie, we need to get you out to the, the audition so that, you know, somehow you're part of that in one way. Which leads me to, to finish up here. Let's have a little fun. Um, best movie that takes place in space. Yeah. What is it? Easily The Martian. Okay. All right. I love the Martian. I, and the, the, the first person I ever interviewed on my podcast when I started, are we there yet? Was Andy Weir who wrote the book that the Martian was based on. And we talked about how rooted in hard science fiction that was. And if anybody's actually ever read the Martian, it is completely different than the actual movie with Matt Damon. Oh, I'd imagine it always is. (laughs) It's, 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 it's very, uh, it's, it, it is literally him trying to survive on Mars. And he, when he, when Andy Weir wrote that book, he sent it to a, uh, an online community that fact checked all of it that makes sure that it was literally rooted in science. And there is, there's, I won't take too much time here, but there is technology in the Martian. It's called Moxie. And the technology that turns the the atmosphere of Mars into oxygen to breathe. On the latest Mars rover, Perseverance, 
Moxie is an actual experiment that actually turned the atmosphere into oxygen. So it like the Martian is rooted in actual science reality. And that's why I love both the book and the movie is because both of them were rooted in that. It was, so, it, that is my answer. Uh, no, great answer. <laughs> I, I have not read the book. Um, I enjoyed the movie. I really did. Um, the movie was great. Was. Who, who, who doesn't like Matt? That, Damon, right? I mean, you that too. But like. I know it's just because I know that, you know, uh, filming anything that's about space to me, if it's done right, it's, you know, when, when you get that, the loneliness of it and, and the vastness of it, you know, because it's almost, it's infinity. It feels like an infinity that you're, you know. It is. And so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and to me, that's, it, it was well done. So well done. I would say I'd go back. Um, I'm going to go back to my childhood and really, I, I'm not going to do the obvious like Star Wars and those movies as much as I love them. Star Trek and Battlestar Galactic and all that stuff. What I love though, actually was, was 2010. And I saw that after 2000 or before 2001 because 2001 came out before I was born. Um, so, but I saw 2010 and I was so just fascinated by this idea and like one that you'd have to sleep for a while cause it's such a long trip. And could we do that? And then getting out to Jupiter and because I've always found to me, my favorite planets were Jupiter and Saturn and I'm Jupiter's just, awesome. Saturn's I, I'm amazing. just looking at them and I'm just like, Oh my God, I'd love to be that close. So that was, I would say my favorite. All right. Worst space movie ever. I want to hear this one from you. Oh no, I don't know if I can do that. Oh, I've got worst. I've got one, but I'm, I want to hear yours. Worst space movie Come ever. Come on, there's so many. Oh, <laughs> see, I, I don't, I don't want to yuck on someone's yum. I don't. I, what, what's your, what's your worst space movie? I'm gonna have to have to ask you first. God, no. Okay, this one as a child was one of my favorite movies, but when you look back on it now, it was so cheesy, so terrible. And I love listening to uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson shredded to pieces because he's like, <laughs> that's not anything close to reality is uh, uh. Disney's The Black Hole. Okay. Love that movie as a kid. Love, mm. I love the visuals. Granted, they don't hold up anymore. But as a kid, I thought that was glorious. I love the music. The music still, the soundtrack to that movie still holds up. The, the villain in the movie. And really, the robot Maximilian still scary to this day, um, and it's just that whole idea of like the the black hole. It's just always been that the the, the universal terror. Um, as a kid, it was just one of my favorites. But obviously, looking back now, it just when you watch and I watched it a few months ago. Um, I can't remember where it was on one of the streaming services, and I was like, oh, let me see this, and it was just like, oh. It's one of those movies that doesn't hold up too bad, but also because looking at it, it's like, ah, no, it's just not. But I love Neil deGrasse Tyson when he shreds it to pieces. Yeah. If you want to get him angry, just get him worked up. Just like, let's talk about Disney's black hole <laughs> and just watch him go, what? But that that's mine. So okay. come on, you, ha- See, you have one. I've, I've never seen that one. Um, please do one day and tell me what you think. I, I'm going to go watch it tonight. Now. Oh, please do. <laughs> I'll say so. I recently watched Armageddon. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. And I and I and I so I, I watched I watched Armageddon recently, and then I also watched Don't Look Up, and I, I watched them close enough to realize the 
so the, the interesting thing about watching both of those is to look at those through the eyes of like the media, like how how the media presents these issues, um, and seeing. And don't look up; it was a satire, but the media did a much better job <laughs> at explaining to the planet that it was going to be destroyed than Armageddon did. Um, and also, the physics of Armageddon are absolutely terrible and would never work. Um, but I didn't know that when I first watched it. I only knew that when I started talking to experts. Um, but I, I like again, if you're going to talk about these things, like the fact that these issues are in popular culture, I'm okay with whether they're wrong or right. That's fine. But at least we're talking about them in popular culture. Right. So that that's the most important thing. Um, yeah, I'll give you that. Another, another terrible movie is, is space camp. I loved it as a kid. It's a terrible I remember movie, that movie, but I loved it as a kid. Yeah. There's also space cowboys. Yeah. Uh, you, know, the, the, you know, oh, that one that's the one with uh Tommy Lee all Jones, of them. all and... of them. <laughs> yeah, no, they had like it was it was like a, a group of, of yeah. older men, and like, hey, let's send old guys into space and, uh, and say old guys, but I mean, they were senior they were citizens old guys. at that time, old and... white guys in the space. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it was Clint Eastwood was, in that movie, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, Clint Eastwood. I hear my wife yelling at me, telling me who is that was actually in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was no you're see i told you they're bad, there are space, bad movies. space movies there's but i also oh. I, i'm also a little upset that you talked about battlestar galactica because i started watching i've actually never watched battlestar galactica i got through season one i'm on season two now um but i'm, I'm getting there i'm getting there as well now, now listen i grew i mean I, and i'm talking about the original show from the oh 70s. yeah, no, I'm I'm not there. I'm so, not there. Yeah, yeah. I let me tell you something. I mean, I so I grew up, you know, in the late '70s, early '80s, and it was, I mean, obviously Star Wars, but um, you know, it was Battlestar Galactica. You know, another great show that I loved was Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers was a great show. Loved it. Just the whole idea. You could see when you look at it now, it's like, oh my god, all these shows were just they were trying so hard to to, to steal from star Wars, you know, they just, they saw what he made and they, all the money and they're like, let's just find a way to spoof it. Um, but yeah, those were all those shows I grew up watching and, and were my favorites. And yeah, I fell in love with that, that idea of like going into space. I, I did have a dream once of being an astronaut, but just like you, I think I got to out. We all did. Yeah, right? no, no, yeah. I did. And to, Growing up in Florida, you had it. You had I, to be, I right? did. I did. And I was even Ooh. in high school, I was in the astronomy club. Um, but then I got to Algebra 2 and realized, oh, darn. <laughs> I got to Algebra uh, 1 and I realized. But I'm, I'm, I'm interested that you brought up Buck Rogers because one of the, the most famous sayings from our local politician, uh, Bill Nelson, who was a senator, who, was a, who went to space and who was a, a huge proponent of the space industry and who is now the NASA administrator, I've always taught whenever I talk to him and I, we talked about financing, he says, if there's no bucks, there's no buck Rogers. And that's, that is his thing that he always talks. Every time you ask him about funding for space exploration, he says, I love space, but if there's no buck, there's no buck Rogers. And that's a very important thing. If you don't, if you don't have that public buy-in for these things, which, which, all of these 
science fiction shows that we're talking about help build that public buy-in, if you don't have that public buy-in, you're not going to get public support for it, and you're not going to get public funding for it. So if there's no bucks, there are no Buck Rogers. And I think it's it's the relationship between how much public support there is for these programs um, comes from how much fictional support there is from these different things that we're talking about. If you don't have that, then you're not going to get the money from Congress to make it happen. So they're, they're, they're so important. Like, like wow. space and pop culture is so important to get people to buy into these things. It is. It is. I, I couldn't agree with more, uh, you know, and, and yeah, we have to keep that interest up so that, you know, they, the public doesn't wane on this and, and wants to continue to push for that exploration. Obviously we have the three billionaires who will continue. Uh, so I guess, I guess that book I bought on Amazon is helping in a way, sort of, I don't know. Um, but yeah, and then we've got you to report on it. So that's, that's the best part. And Brendan, I appreciate it. Um, you know, continued success with the podcast as well. And, uh, thanks for sharing the stories on, on, uh, the reporter studio, man. And thank you so much for having me to talk about these things. I mean, it, it, it it's so awesome to talk to, to a like-minded person like you about, uh, the excitement of space. So I'm, I'm happy well, to come back anytime. Just remember. I get the first interview when you're up there, buddy. Oh, we're going together, brother. We're going together. <laughs> we'll do a talk show from space. I will, I will be your producer, and you are the talk show host. We got this. We're taking no, 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 no. <laughs> we're, we're We're co-hosting this one, I promise. We're co-hosting this one. All right, Brendan. This is The Reporter Studio, and you've been listening to our conversation with Brendan Byrne, reporter at WMFE Public Media in Orlando. He's also the creator and host of the highly successful podcast, Are We There Yet? A must-listen to anybody who's into the space industry. You want to know more about space and rockets and astronauts, this is the podcast for you. You can learn more about Brendan and his podcast on our website, thereporterstudio.com. And if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and Podbean, well, I just want to ask a favor of you. Please subscribe, rate, and review. I really appreciate it. Well, coming up next week on this podcast. For me, I have a very analytical mind. And so when I hear various groups of people kind of like, well, we, you know, this is what we say, and this is what we say, I kind of feel like my job as the journalist is to figure out what actually is true. We talk with environmental reporter Amy Green, also from WMFE, talk about covering the environment and the climate crisis. Thank you again so much for listening. Remember to post your comments or questions on the website or on YouTube at The Reporter Studio. We'll talk again next week.